0: Moving day means that you and your things are in for a big transition. There's a lot to figure out. New closets, different counter space, change of floor plan. No worries. CubeSmart is here to help make your move as easy as possible. Online or in person, CubeSmart provides a self-storage experience that puts the focus on you because you matter most. Moving can be costly, and that's why CubeSmart is offering up to 25% off your monthly rent. Say goodbye to moving
1: stress and hello to your new address with CubeSmart self storage. Visit cubesmart.com for more details. You're into your shows, right? Well then listen up. If you've Xfinity internet, entertainment starts at free with Flex, so you can get really into your shows. Find your favorites faster with just your voice. The Office. From Peacock to HBO Max and Disney Plus, the whole squad's here. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Man, he's moving. Xfinity, it's a way better way to watch. Restrictions apply. Subscriptions required to access streaming services including Disney+. Plus. Requires postpaid Xfinity internet, excluding internet essentials. One device included.
0: Additional devices, $5 a month. Hi, I'm Chelsea Handler. Welcome to Life Will Be the Death of Me, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, Brandon.
1: Hello, Chelsea. Welcome back.
0: Welcome. Thank you. It's uh, like we
1: never get quality time together anymore.
0: I know. It's so nice when I can just finally gaze into your eyes. Isn't
1: it? <laughs> hmm.
0: You've been spending a lot of time in Utah this summer, Brandon, actually. And is there something you need to tell me about coming out as a Mormon?
1: Well, most Mormons don't come out. Oh. They in, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. So, no.
0: Well, that would sound like a double whoopsie doopsie, if you ask me.
1: Mm, just might be. Uh, but you've been on the road, so I've had time to explore. And when we went to Park City, I just fell in love with Utah. So I've been...
0: I know. We're going making... to ski again next year, too. I can't wait. You have to get us a house in Austria for a month. Don't forget. Understood. Airbnb. Okay. Anyway, back to business. We're going to play my show from Portland, where I was interviewed by another author named Courtney Hammeister, who was awesome. And this was the series of shows that made me realize, oh, I want to turn this into stand-up.
1: Which is interesting because you never thought you'd do stand-up again.
0: Yes, we've said that.
1: Have we? I think so. Well, sounds like that's a double whoopsie doodle. Thank you.
0: This is called room temperature water because I fucking abhor room temperature water. And I wish people would stop handing it out on planes and Dasani, Dasani, I don't want Dasani water, that's Coca-Cola, okay? I want ice cold water with a lemon. Anyway, room temperature water. There was a time in my life when astrology and psychics, not to be confused with physics, fascinated me. But as a general rule, I think it's all a bunch of bullshit. Meditation seems to work for some people while medication works for others, which explains why it's very difficult for me to sit still with my eyes closed for any length of time without Rohypnol. I'm all for people being spiritual, but I'm leery of anyone who mentions it more than once in a single sitting. Unless, of course, one is on a spiritual retreat, which I hope to God I never will be. (laughs) If there even is a God, jury's out on that one too, at least until the rapture. An event I'm convinced will end up taking place at the Hollywood Bowl. I believe in spirituality as a component of your lifestyle. The problem is that spiritual people can sometimes be giant assholes. Madonna doesn't make me wanna practice Kabbalah. She makes me wonder what on earth she has on them that they are willing to let her be their most famous brand ambassador. At least Tom Cruise is a good front man for Scientology because he seems nice, but obviously he's out of his fucking tree too. I feel spiritual when I'm on mushrooms. (laughs) I'm not into rocks and crystals and chakras and healers. I just think everyone is looking for something and it seems like some people will just settle on the first ray of sun or glimmer of hope they bump into. Los Angeles is a very tricky place for vulnerable people. (laughs) Hourly, you will hear words like gratitude, universe, and manifest and terms like micro panic attack. (laughs) And artisanal deodorant. (laughs) It is a place consumed with trends and fads and avocados and kale, but everything has a shelf life. There will be a point when the women and gay population of Los Angeles will turn their backs on avocados and kale, claiming they both cause cancer and erectile dysfunction. (laughs) only to turn their attention towards some new colonic hydrotherapist mystic who convinces everyone that a steady diet of fried calamari is the new anti-inflammatory food for the ages. (laughs) It will quickly appear on the menu of upscale restaurants and then there will be stores selling pre-packaged fresh calamari for $11 a serving. It's hard to take anything or anyone seriously after a while. And I'm a cynic, but I've even gotten roped in. I've been in Los Angeles for over 20 years now and I've you know, been taken to a retreat where I was like, whoa, 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 this was a mistake. You know what I mean? You go to a retreat in the woods of Topanga Canyon, because some actress that you're friends with is like, yes, do this retreat. There's going to be a sound bath. And you're like, what is a sound bath? <laughs> it's, it's like a DJ in the bath. What is that? It sounds awesome. Are there going to be drugs? Yes, there'll be drugs. All right, I'll go. I will go. And I'll take any drug, I am all for it. Like, I am a garbage can, give me anything and I'll tell you how it feels. I can take it, I'm strong, I, I feel like I'm built for the apocalypse. But there was a drug at this retreat, there were two groups of women and one of them were like becoming unclothed and it was, everyone was sweating and I was like, I didn't like the looks of where that was going, you know? <laughs> It looked like everybody was going deep in the woods for a finger-blasting ceremony. And I was like, I don't think so, buddy. Not gonna trick me twice. Mm -mm 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 -mm. No, sorry. I know what you're gonna do with those broccoli spears, you sick bitches, and I'm not into it. And I've done ayahuasca, I've documented it. I did a special about drugs for Netflix. Thank you, thank you. Um, Where I've done ayahuasca in Peru with a shaman. Like, you know, people get diarrhea when they do ayahuasca. People vomit. I went through that two nights and was aces. Like, I know how to take drugs, okay? (laughs) Nobody shat their pants on that night. Not me, my shaman did twice and didn't even go to the bathroom, just stayed in his jeans. But I didn't let that affect me either. I got high that night and I had a beautiful imagery, visuals, I'll never forget it. At this t- retreat, sound bath, whatever, you know, I, I, once I got there, I was like, this is a mistake, you gotta get out of here, you know? And there was two groups, one group was going to the woods, you know, with the broccoli and the other group, was doing this something from a frog. Five DMT or five DMO or something. So this woman lies me down, and she's like, okay, you know, you're gonna smoke this. And then I'm like, yeah, give it to me already. All right. This place is the worst. Where are I was like, where is the thing to smoke? Because I'm ready, I'm ready. I was like the first one there. And So she says, take a hit, and I took a hit, and I have been under, you know, I've taken mushrooms, I've taken acid, I took my SATs on acid, which is why I never went to college. You know, I have a lot of history with this stuff. And I... I took it and I was like, (laughs) I I thought for sure, I was like, oh my God. I looked at the woman and I was just immediately sweating, ripping my clothes off, you know, just like tearing them off. And then she's like, you can hold my hand. I'm like, bitch, make this stop. I'm in a matrix. All I could see was like geometric patterns and I was so hot. And you know, before she asked me what my intention was, I was like, I don't have one. Just, I'll tell you after. Meanwhile, <laughs> you need to have one. And I had taken my clothes off and I looked down and I was like just sweating and I had my underwear left, but it was nude underwear. So I thought I was naked and somebody had shaved my beaver. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and then I looked at her I'm like, did you shave my beaver? And, <laughs> She's like, no, sweetie, no, sweetie. She's like, just breathe. I'm like, this is, a, it's a wrap on this. I don't like this at all, and I'm a tough girl. That's what I said to her, I'm like, I'm a tough girl, and this is too much. And then I had to get dressed in front of her, you know? Like, you come out of it, I, can't start, I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. I'm like, you're not gonna die, you're not gonna die. You have brain damage now, yes. <laughs> you are gonna to have to deal with having brain damage because something just attacked you. So when you get your shit together and you get in your car, I want you to really think about this trip. So I've done a lot of drugs, okay? And I've fallen for it too, like the bullshit. So I'm hip to all of that. And I assumed therapy and meditation were all in the same bucket as chakras and, you know, broccoli stalks. Anyway, I needed to talk to someone, but I was embarrassed that I needed to talk to someone. I had spent years skirting the issue of therapy based on the fact that my life was working out pretty well, minus an emotionally stable relationship with someone of the opposite sex. To anyone who would query, I would say, I'm better off single. I don't want to be tethered to anyone. I'm not a relationship girl. My most recent favorite line was, I'm just more high functioning as a single person, obviously. (laughs) After all, if 90% of people were in relationships, then clearly I was special if I had somehow managed to avoid one. (laughs) Every therapist I saw before I reached the age of 42 made me feel like I was running in place. I'd go for a period of time and then I would eventually get bored. Often I knew I was running circles around them. Some therapists were just not the right fit and some of them were good but felt more like enablers than instructors. And I wanted to be taught how to be better at being a whole person. I wanted to break my pattern of ending friendships and relationships on a dime because someone did something that I found unforgivable. I'd go to therapists for like a few weeks and then I'd be like, this guy seems easy to manipulate. And then one day, I mean, if you're a girl, that's your currency, how to manipulate men, you know? And if you're a guy, we know what your currency is. I once had a therapist and I was like, finally one day my assistant Karen, who's now my tour manager, who's here tonight, I said, I can't go today. I'm just, I'm not in the mood. Would you just, you go? And then, (laughs) like the next week I was like, you know what? I can go again, please. And on the third week I was like, how's it going? (laughs) Is he helping you? And she's like, no, I've been talking about your problems. I thought I was supposed to be talking about you. So I had an episode of my last show on Netflix where I interviewed a neuropsychiatrist named Dan Siegel. He'd written several books on developing brains, including one that focused on adolescent brains. I wanted to know when brains develop, you know, at what age you learn the most, whether it's possible to increase your IQ, and at what age drugs and alcohol do the most damage in terms of slowing down your learning process. The last question I slipped in about three or four times throughout the conversation, until I finally got the answer I was looking for, which was that my brain had fully developed before any brain damage had occurred, this was before that frog urine, and that any extracurricular activities I was up to were just fine, at least that's what my takeaway was. Our first few sessions consisted of Dan guiding me through meditation, after which I would spend the rest of the time bitching about Donald Trump and what a piece of shit he was. I was paying somebody hundreds of dollars an hour to complain about Donald Trump, which seemed like the exact right move. (laughs) I would have paid him double. I definitely paid for far worse in my life. I knew people were getting sick and tired of my anger directed toward the election and the daily horrifying cabinet appointees and Ivanka and her veneers and that schmuck Jared and that evil witch bitch they called a press secretary. I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that Sarah Suckabee Sanders and Ivanka Trump had no morality and, or sense of obligation to the very sex they inhabited to stand up and say, no more. I needed someone to help me harness my anger into something positive. In our third session, Dan asked me about my childhood. Oh, just the usual bullshit. My parents were kind of lame. I have five brothers and sisters, one of whom died when he was 22, and my mom died a few years ago. I don't really have any sense of time, so it could have been 10 years ago or five years ago. My dad's dying. Hopefully that will happen soon. (laughs) And then I looked at him, and I said, I'd rather really talk about right now. Like, what can I do right now? We talked about my personality for a while and he introduced me to this like personality test called an Enneagram, which some of you may know about. And when we found out what my number was, I was like, okay, I'm an eight. Tell me what the eight's weaknesses are because I'm trying to get better. I'm really impatient. I have problems doing things for myself. I'm like infantilized and I just have to grow up a little bit. And I said, what's an eight's weakness? And he said, lack of empathy. And I was like, huh? Like a Republican? (laughs) I had to think about the difference between empathy and sympathy. I can be too sympathetic to people. I'm a sucker for a sob story and I will lavish sympathy on any stranger who needs a hand, but empathy? I had to talk that through with him. I said, empathy and sympathy, what's the distinction exactly again? Sympathy is feeling bad for someone or for their situation. Sympathy is more like pity. Empathy is imagining what it's like to be in that person's shoes, thinking about what it feels like to be another person, and the understanding of their experiences and outlooks and know that they may be unlike your own, actually thinking about what it's like to be them. Dan asked me about those instances when I show up for people I care about, and if while I'm doing it, I think about what it feels like to be in that person's predicament. The answer was no. (laughs) I had never thought about that. I went to someone's bedside or doorstep or lay in bed with any of my friends who needed a friend in order to do one thing, and that was to fix the situation, to show up repeatedly time and time again. Whenever that happens, my sympathy was in full gear, but rarely, if ever, do I consider what it's like to be that person in that moment. I want to wrap their injury and patch them up. I never stop showing up, but I don't put myself in their shoes. Often we think we're showing up for someone when really all we're doing is showing everyone how great we are at showing up. Lack of empathy, that hit me over the head. Yes, that's it, I don't have any empathy. That's how I feel about people who like room temperature water. Some people don't care about the temperature of their drink or the quality of their eyes. I don't understand those people. Like when flight attendants hand out that room temperature Dasani water, I wanna throw it out the airplane window. I've always looked sideways at this community of humans who are okay with room temperature water, or God forbid, prefer it, or people who like pineapple on their pizza, or for that matter, any other hot food with pineapple on it. Fuck off. (laughs) Rosemary annoys the shit out of me too, but everybody else seems to fucking love it. Then again, I love cilantro, and people can have a visceral reaction to that, and I don't get that at all. How could anyone hate cilantro? It feels like I just need to meet more people who hate rosemary as much as I do. But mostly everything and everyone at some point ends up annoying me. And now I know why, because I'm not thinking about them. I've gone through my life failing to understand why people have different reactions to things than I do. Lack of empathy made total sense. This was a door opener, it was a game changer. I was like, whoa, 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 all right. Now what? How do I get it? Can I buy it? (laughs) I spent the next few weeks recalling one instance after another where I now recognize my lack of empathy. I had been in London with one of my best friends who happens to be a gay man. We went to see the movie, do you remember Call Me By Your Name? (laughs) Five minutes in, I leaned over irritated and asked, Is this a gay love story? (laughs) Yes, he hissed incredulously. I hadn't known what the movie was about going in and I was taken by surprise. Oh my God, you're so selfish. (laughs) I replied while I shoveled popcorn down my throat. The ludicrousness of my comment hit us both at the same time and we started laughing so disruptively we had to remove ourselves 10 minutes into the movie. (laughs) Gay people have had to sit through straight people's stories since the beginning of time. Had I ever thought about that? Nope. (laughs) Lack of empathy was everywhere I went. This was an exciting development. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. If there's something that's interfering with your happiness or that's preventing you from achieving some of your goals, I want you to know that there is online counseling available for you. It's called BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in all sorts of issues. So as we all know, everybody's dealing with something. So whatever your issue is, I want you to know that there is an outlet for you. I know everybody can't afford to go to a psychiatrist or seek professional help in their personal lives. You may not have the time, but everyone can go online. It's confidential, and for uh, Life Will Be the Death of Me with Chelsea Handler listeners, you will get 10% off your first month with discount code CHELSEA. So you can get started today. Go to BetterHelp.com Chelsea.
1: Good afternoon. Would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie? Oh, sure. Mmm, that's very good. I- I'll just take one more, just to be sure. Yep, still very good.
0: Of a very, very funny book that I read that came out last year called Okay Fine Whatever. Please give a very warm welcome to Courtney Hummeister. Hi, thank you for being here with me tonight. Cheers. Oh yes. Cheers. Cheers to everybody else who's here tonight. So nice that it's Thursday. Everything's just getting started.
1: There's vodka in this. There's vodka in it. Do you find, actually, that um, because you're kind of doing this work and you are less annoyed by people that you need to self-medicate less? (laughs) I, I think
0: that's enough. I, I self I never thought I would be one of those girls or one of those people that would just wake up and and smoke or take a take an edible. I do do that now because I do. Yeah, I'm turning into a, like I'm not into the alcohol right now. I'm into the weed. Um, but it's not the same thing. I can't get away with that shit anymore. I can't yeah. just drink a bottle of vodka and look okay in the morning. Mm-hmm. I don't look okay in the morning. I look rough, and I, I care about the way I look, you know? Yeah. I'm not that cool.
1: <laughs> right. I wish I were. Well, nobody's that cool. That's the thing. like you yeah, can be, nobody's that you cool. You can be that's 50 cent, and I wish we you drink just... a bottle of vodka, you're still going to feel like ass. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Was that a 50 cent joke? No, I was just... I was... <sighs> No, I was just... He was a cool person that I was referencing, but I forgot that you had sex with him. <laughs> um, no, no, don't gloss right over that. Let's talk about the sex. <laughs> Let's get into
0: it. Can, can you? Can, can you talk no, about the no, sex? I'm not going to do that. Okay. I'm not... Uh, uh, but uh, I, I don't really... Uh, he was a very... Shh, this isn't a porn. <laughs> He's a very sweet guy who doesn't smoke weed. My friends were so excited to hang out with 50 Cent and we were like in New Orleans and I think I was doing a show, yeah, I was performing and and I walking in the street with him in New Orleans was like, I mean, it was ridiculous. And then my friends were so excited to hang out with him and then he didn't even smoke weed and he doesn't drink. He was very childlike. He ate like kid stuff.
1: Like Cap'n Crunch?
0: Like, yeah, like cereal and snacks. Like I remember he ordered a sundae somewhere where like no one else was ordering a sundae. You know, you're
1: like,
0: <laughs> wait for, him. you're like, is there a kid? Oh, right. okay. Right. Um, but so he the- was a very sweet man. And I never, I mean, he was the, su- the thing about him that was so surprising that how unthug like he was,
1: Hmm. you know? Well, yeah, yeah, if he's eating cereal and having a sundae, that's adorable. <laughs> You know, he's America's most adorable rapper.
0: <laughs> Isn't it just the cutest?
1: <laughs> so we were we were just sort of briefly talking about dating, and I wanted to um, obviously your dating. I think your dating life is probably going to change now. Well, right? I'm
0: not going to pay people when I break up with them anymore. <laughs> now I do this thing. I went on a couple of dates with a friend set me up with this guy, and I went on a few dates with him, and I was like, oh, yeah. and I'm trying to get rid of all my old bad habits, you know, because I could just feel like look at a guy and be like, your fucking belt." <laughs> and that's it. It's over. You know what I mean? Your They're list of
1: deal breakers is long, long,
0: long. And that's a protective, you know shield that we create. But I mean, your toe goes in the wrong direction, something's weird. I don't like it. You shave your chest, hair, and you're straight. I'm not interested. I don't like that. For gay guys only, they only get to do that unless you're Greek or Armenian, and and if you're not, then we need to talk about why you're shaving your chest. Every little thing, every little thing, you have to just bite your tongue and go. That doesn't define a person like their fucking toe, or you know, or their bad genes. Like that's not who do you think you are? And what I've discovered is that I want to remain single. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> The thing is, I am a very happy single person, so I have to. But it's okay to say that I want to be in a relationship. I'm allowed to say that. That's not needy. That's saying something that I want. I desire that. If it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, great too. But it's it's better to be honest about it and not pretend I don't. I don't have any interest in that. I'd love to meet a guy that can ski and that can you know have like travel the world with me. That's great. And if I don't, I'll just have to read you know more books.
1: Um, I actually dated a guy who had this pelvic, uh, this is a little off topic maybe. That's all right. I love off topic. Uh, He he was in a car accident and he had, uh, his pelvis got injured and I didn't know this when I was dating him but he was, I I called him the cunnilingus savant because he was so good at it. Yeah, you write about him in your book. Yes, but it turns out that what happened was he had this pelvic injury when he was very young, like he was 19, so he had to learn other shit and that's why he was so good at it. Like it was, you know. So like, what happened with the sex? <laughs> um, no, the, and the sex was good. He just needed to take Viagra, but uh, what um, a bummer. for the actual sex part. But I don't. Penetration's not really my jam so much. <laughs> no, I mean I enjoy it. Like That's... I love it in the beginning, but it's like after a while there's chafing. I really like to be penetrated. <laughs> no. I enjoy it initially,
0: yeah, but. I mean, I don't want, I mean, I like the whole sex. Like, I like all the things that have to do with sex if you're really, really into somebody, you know? Yeah. But I don't want some guy going down on me that I don't know that well. Like, I'd rather have sex with him. Right. <laughs> That's how I feel. I think there's two schools of thought on that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: anyway, so. <laughs> so, I want... <laughs> so I wanted to talk about, sorry about that. Um... So I love the way that you talk about children in the book. Um, It's so simple and matter of fact. The sentence that I loved was, I've never had the urge and it wouldn't be a good use of my time. (laughs) And it was so perfect. And... Jen, you know Jen Kirkman, right? Yeah, I love She Jen. wrote that amazing book called I Can Barely Take Care of Myself, and it was all about her not having kids. And she had this amazing response to people who talked about why they think it's selfish when people don't have kids. Like, what's your response to those people?
0: Well, it's selfish to not have kids? I think I'm doing the world a favor. Right. I mean, first of all... It's selfish. It's selfish to have children at this point. I mean, the population is out of control. We have climate change. So I'm doing everyone a favor by not having a child, by not making another loudmouth bitch, okay? People should be grateful. You think people would be saying, thank you, Chelsea. Thank you for not procreating. Um, I am able to help so many people in my life that I care about and strangers that I'll never meet that I care about. I'm able to do all of that because I am financially independent and then I don't have anybody relying on me. And if I was a mother, I think I'd probably really do it badly. And I think more people should understand that it's not necessary. It's not, you know, in 40, 50, 60 years from now, do you know how many women are going to not even have a partner and are going to have a genetically engineered baby that they made on a computer? I mean, that's where it's going. Like, the fact that we don't all need each other is, is bad and good.
1: Let's just say, hypothetically, yes. that you meet the perfect man and he's hilarious and he's super hot and, and, he, he's can slightly ski, older and than he can ski. And he can ski. And he can ski.
0: He doesn't have to be older, he could be 40 to 50. And he is a kid. Oh. <laughs> good delivery, that was good. I was in it, I was like, yeah, what? I wouldn't, I've done that before. I'm very, you know, like, I, I, I like that, and, but I've done that before and I stayed in a relationship way too long because of his kids, because they were like little, like little sisters to me and I, and I really did care about them. They were, they were like older, they weren't little kids. Uh, no, I wouldn't disqualify somebody for having a kid. Obviously people make mistakes. <laughs> I'm gonna, write a book. I'm gonna write a book called Hot Parenting Tips, <laughs> where I tell everybody what I think they're doing wrong because I am very perspicacious. I can see it all. And some of these kids are such assholes. iPads and assholes. Yeah. An iPad equals an asshole kid. When are people gonna get, it is, I mean, I was at my friend's house the other day and he was like, she was like, I'll take away your iPad. And this is like the level she's talking. And I'm like, oh my God. And he's like, mommy, you're not taking it. He's seven. And I'm like, oh, my God, just based on his reaction about it being taken away alone. Like, I remember playing Super Mario Brothers to like three in the morning. You know, I've been addicted to things. And when they told me to get off of it, I knew to get off of it. I wasn't like, hey, cunt, get out of my room to my mom. (laughs) Okay, well, this sounds like a good time to take a a break.
1: Fifteen minutes could save you 15 percent or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Uh, Yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Geico, great service without all the drama. Well, there's a great story, and you've probably already talked about this a million times, but there's a great story in Are You There Vodka, I think, about you babysitting at 12 for a 14 year old. and. Oh, yeah.
0: Taking him down. Oh, yeah. I used to babysit. I opened, I started a babysitting ring in Martha's Vineyard because once I realized my parents had no money and no bank account, I was like, "Uh, I'm getting a job. And I was 12. So I started this babysitting ring and I'd call all the hotels on the island in Edgartown, which was where my parents' house was. And I'd say, I'm a babysitter, I'm, you know, a summer resident. Please call me if you have couples that want to go out, blah, blah, blah. I said I was 14 because at 12 my tickets had already come in and I did look (laughs) like I was 14. I mean, I looked at, like, I was 14 when I was 8, okay? So I baby. so they were like, oh, we have a son who's 13. And I was like, perfect. (laughs) So he was older than me, and I was babysitting him because I was really 12. (laughs) And then he went nuts on me. He had something, whatever people have, ADHD or ADD or whatever. And not to diminish it, I know it's a real thing, but he definitely had something like that. And we ended up, like, in a wrestling match somehow, (laughs) And I
1: put him to bed and yelled at him. Well, no, you were on him and you used your knees to keep his chest down on the floor. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I was the worst. (laughs) And then the father parents come home and I was like, he was terrible tonight. I don't know if I want to come back here. Like immediately rejecting them before they could find out that I was not fit to be babysitting. But I ran it like a mafia ring. Like my sister, Shoshana, wanted in on it. She's older than me. She's like, I want in on some of that babysitting money because I'd make all this money. I had like eight different families that I was rotating. I'd do it every day, Monday through Sunday. I'd go, and people loved it. And so my, I started making so much money, I would double book myself. And then I let my sister in on it, but I would only give her a cut, not the full. <laughs> and then at the end of the summer, my dad's like, give me all that money. Where's that money you've been stowing away in that cigar box? And I was like... Don't fucking worry about it. And he's like, Chelsea, if you made money on doing that babysitting, you need to share it with the family, you know, I just want to see how much you made, you're gonna to have to give me some. I was like, you're not getting any of my money and don't ever ask me for money until I have a lot of it. <laughs> so I, you know, my dad was like that, like shystery. So that was so disappointing because it's like, what do you mean you're gonna take a little kid's money like, why? And, you know, so that kind of stuff is, is a bummer. But what I learned, because my dad died this year, this past year, what I learned was, and I was really kind of like disappointed in my dad for a lot of reasons after my mom passed away. But what I did realize was how important it is to just remember people when they are at their best, not at their worst, yeah. you know? And for me, learning about empathy It made me understand my dad and what he must have gone through losing his oldest son. Like, no man does recover from something like this, you know? They didn't have the vocabulary. They didn't have the wherewithal to understand how to weather that storm. My mom somehow was able to find joy and be in pain at the same time. My dad was one dimensional. It was like, no, my boy is dead. There's no more fun to be had. Game over, life over. I'm gonna be angry for the rest of my life. And like, he stood like that for the rest of his life, pissed at the world, and the world was out to get him. And he wasted the rest of his life. He was terrible after that.
1: But you did come to a place for him. It was after you left and went to California. There's a great story in the book about, you know, them picking you up, I think, at the airport and yeah. your father brought you at nine o'clock in the morning some vodka that he put on the table at McDonald's.
0: Yeah. Um. We were driving up to the vineyard and once I moved to LA, you know, you get away from your parents and then you're like, Oh, I do love them. Like, he just, we all needed a time out. We just needed a break from each other. We had been through too much and we didn't go through it the right way. We didn't talk about it. We just, my parents tried to talk about it, but I would be like, my mom would trick me into talking about Chet. She'd be like, do you ever think about, I'm like, don't talk about Chet, he's dead. And then I'd go get on my bike and ride my bike, you know, for like, you know, three hours. And then at a certain age, I started masturbating on my bike. So that took even longer (laughs) and then, I was like, what else can I do on these bike rides? Oh, and then (laughs) I just realized, you know, that I love, my dad's not perfect. None of us are like, I have such judgment. You throw such heavy judgment around sometimes. And usually the things that we can't stand in people are the things that we hate the most about our own thing, you know, ourselves. And we all know that's true. It is. It's always true. What I don't like about him are the things I didn't like about myself. And you know, and and I didn't like that he was cheap or that he was a liar and probably screwed people over financially. That gave me something to work against. I will never be that way. So I'm overly generous. I always take care of everybody. I never lie, cheat, or steal ever. I mean, I lie sometimes, but you know, <laughs> you have to just survive. because to save a conversation from happening, it's just like snow. You know.
1: Right. I mean, so what was it when you sort of came back to your parents? Because been- you had had a hard time with both of them. And then you came back after you'd been away for a while. And you sort of actually yeah. sort of loved them again. My dad
0: kind of had a sense of humor again. Like enough time had passed. And some for some reason, being on Martha's Vineyard, for some reason, when I went away, our relationship, our dynamic shifted. And I think he realized he had missed so much time with all of us because he was so angry trying to sue the people my brother was with when he went hiking, his best friend from school. He drove him out of town and he had no money. My daddy emptied his bank account, suing, suing people for nothing, never winning a suit. And and then, so I think he just kind of was like, wait, where's, where is, she? you know, we had a very close relationship and it just it fulminated.
1: So, I mean, I think that it's interesting because you're doing all this work now, this mindfulness work, and you're trying to be more positive. And, and what's interesting is that you, obviously, there were a, you had a complicated relationship with your dad. But in some ways, and even Dan, your therapist, said he in some ways your dad was a really smart guy. And one of the things that he said to you, was that you should take something away from every conversation that you have like take one piece of good information away from every conversation that you have um, which I think is brilliant and it's sort of it feels to me like it's he's in cognitive behavioral therapy land with that a little bit right mm-hmm. like thinking positively if someone were to take one message from your book what would you want that message to be not to have a spoiler but
0: um to know that a you're not alone whatever you're going through there are millions of other people that are going through something like you we all think we're alone in our pain we all think we can't share it we all think we're going to be tougher than the next person or we're not tough enough but we're all in this together so like look around and reach out and help somebody because it's helpful to know you're not alone you know and, it's, and, it's, and it doesn't have to be dark and, and crazy. You have to go through the hard stuff to know, lean into opportunities, and know that there's room for growth. Anytime something shitty happens now, I sit, and I'm like, all right, how can I handle myself in this situation? In a good way, in a positive way. Get rid of your ego. Get rid of your fucking phone all the time. Stop trolling Instagram and having mindless thoughts about other people's lives, and get involved in your own fucking life. You know, and some of these... Some of these things are so obvious to say or hear, but to practice, it is a practice. You have to get up and be like, I'm gonna be kind and good and decent today. And then after a while, you don't have to try anymore.
1: You just are. I'm you gonna, wanted to... Uh, yeah, yeah, this, this yeah, has been mean, such a fun we've night. We've watched this evolution, I feel like, and now we'll, uh, you, I know that you wanted to read a little bit of the book I the just end. want to read
0: something to close out the show for you guys. First of all, this is so nice to be in a theater that's intimate where I can... Well, now I can see you. I couldn't see you for a while, but now I can. And it's just... It's so nice to be here with you, so thank you very much. Oh,
1: it's been such a pleasure. Thank a really you so much night. for inviting me.
0: To know that I'm going through something and not try to keep circling around it hoping to avoid going through it. Sitting and experiencing and feeling and not running. To understand that things take time and to be okay sitting with my pain. To understand the only way through something is through it. Not to rush through life hopscotching over or around it. No one is fully cooked, no person is complete. I didn't know then that my brother's death was defining me. I define me. No event or person does this. I define me. I decide who I am and how I'm going to behave, and I choose to be better, to look more carefully, to trudge deeper, to think about other people's past and not judge someone for doing or handling something differently than I would. To understand my limitations, my shortcomings, that is my growth edge. I decide to be better. We can all decide to be a little bit better. Thank you, Portland, for coming out tonight. Really appreciate it. I had such a great time here tonight. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Life Will Be the Death of Me is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
1: Enviar nota de voz al group chat. Buenos días. ¿Quieren desayuno de McDonald's?
0: Guille dice, eres la mejor. Un sausage McMuffin, please. Laura dice, sí, sausage McMuffins para mí. Ale dice, ya comí, pero me traes un hash browns. Love you.
1: El mi colega favorita deal. Llévate todos tus favoritos de desayuno como un sausage McMuffin por unos pocos dólares solo en el $1 to $3 menu de McDonald's. Precios y participación pueden variar, no puede ser combinado con un cambio mío. Hi guys, Katie Lowe's here. You might know me as Quinn Perkins on Scandal. I'm also the host of Katie's Crip, a podcast about all things parenthood. Katie's Crib is back with new episodes every Thursday. We have got such an awesome lineup of guests. Michelle Buteau on having twins. Katarina Scorsone on raising three children. Kat McPhee Foster on being a new mom. We'll be covering everything from discipline to mombering. Tune in. Listen to Katie's Crib on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get
0: your podcasts.